narcissists, flying monkeys, smear campaigns. Those words are enough to strike fear in the heart of any empath. Am I right? If you've been where I've been, then you definitely agree with me on this one. Now, with that being said, today at queenbeing.com, we're going to talk about exactly that, narcissists, smear campaigns, and flying monkeys, and how those three things work together to make your life more difficult as you're going through probably one of the most difficult times in your life already. In addition to my own thoughts on this subject, you'll be getting Richard Grannon's thoughts as we continue our series this week. So let's get started. My name's Angie Atkinson, and on this channel, I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse in toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. If that sounds good to you, hit that subscribe button and we'll just get going. So I'm going to start out today with something really simple and that is just a quick definition of what a flying monkey is for those of you who aren't aware. So take a look. So what's a flying monkey? Well, it might be a funny comparison calling them flying monkeys, but the reality of it is anything but funny. Here's a quick and dirty definition of a narcissist flying monkey. It's a person who does a narcissist bidding for them. Sometimes these flying monkeys are totally unaware of their role in the narcissist's puppet show. You know, the stage they set for their gaslighting and manipulation and preferred state of drama. Other times they're totally in on it with the narcissist. Often, flying monkeys will come in the form of well-meaning friends and loved ones. They show up trying to gently convince you to go along with what the narcissist wants. And it's generally a direct result of their own manipulation by the narcissist. See, a toxic narcissist will do anything to get his or her way, including telling lies about you and or others in order to make things go their way. Now, Richard says that he actually experienced a flying monkey situation just last year. And in this next clip, he's going to explain to you exactly how he thinks that you should deal with a flying monkey and what he says helps the most when you're triggered by a flying monkey. Take a look. Um, I think, I mean, I've had to deal with one uh, myself last year. You know, when I used to teach self-protection, I would teach like basics to people and I teach like the, the core thing that everybody needs to do. And then people would say to me, well, what do you do when the guy comes at you and he wants to punch you with his left hand and his mate wants to kick you with his right foot? And you want to get down to the specifics of everything. And what I found helped the most for me was to come back to basics and go, okay, I need to monitor my own emotional and psychological state because this is going to be tough. This is going to be triggering. This is just like in childhood when. This is just like in childhood when I wasn't understood, when people were talking badly about me, when I was being bullied, when I was being scapegoated. It's extremely, extremely triggering if you're in a flying monkey situation. So you've got to do your, your white belt, yellow belt, blue belt basics first of protecting your own emotional state, keeping your perceptions clear, get help, you know, and don't go to your mates or your family and tell them stories about what's going on. Get the help of a third person an, an adult professional who can give you some real non-agended um, feedback so that your sense of reality, you can still hold on to something or someone. Mm -hmm. That would, that would uh, be another piece of advice. Next up, I'm just going to really quickly define for you the definition of a smear campaign, just for those people who aren't aware of what that means exactly in relation to narcissistic abuse. So take a look. If you look up smear campaign in the dictionary, you're gonna find that the political version of the term matches up with the narcissistic one. 
a deliberate attack on somebody by spreading an untrue and unpleasant rumor about them, or by making an accusation intended to damage their reputation. It's what a narcissist does when they feel threatened or otherwise concerned about the loss of narcissistic supply. Contrary to popular belief, a narcissist who stoops to creating a smear campaign isn't really crying out for help so much as they are crying out for attention, and in many cases for a new source of supply. A lot of narcissists use sob stories like, oh, this person has treated me so poorly, poor me, feel sorry for me, as part of their love bombing tactic, as in when they're looking to hook in a new victim. Here's how Richard says you should respond to a smear campaign. Take a look. You know, rather than look at, oh, they said this, so therefore I'm going to X, Y, Z, look at what's going on for you in terms of your emotional literacy, your capacity mm -hmm. to process the emotions, and look at the power dynamic. You know, what is re what can that person do? What are they doing and what are your options of response? If you're going to respond to it, but you're coming from a place of emotional anxiety, it's highly likely that you're going to look as crazy as the narrative they're weaving about you says that you are. And the smear campaign. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah. 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 So what's the smear campaign all about from my perspective? Well, if we're looking at the neurological components of all this stuff, it's like this. From your perspective, it feels completely unnatural. You probably think, what the heck is this person doing? This doesn't seem human to me, right? You finally find yourself feeling shocked, confused, even hurt by the smear campaign, probably hurt by the smear campaign. Because the truth is, it's not normal behavior. People don't act like this, but narcissists do. And the unfortunate fact is that unless you're intentionally choosing to educate yourself about narcissism and narcissistic abuse, chances are you're not going to have any freaking idea why the person's doing what they're doing. Well, here are the neurological components of that. The narcissist's mind doesn't work the same way as a normal person's mind. Their chemicals are all off balance and whatnot. But the big difference really is that most people in the world, even people who have other kinds of disorders, still feel a certain amount of empathy for the people around them, while narcissists do not. Most people would never want to hurt someone they love. And most people see other people as, I don't know, people. Narcissists, on the other hand, don't really see other people as people, as equal to them people. They see other people as extensions, as tools, as things, toys they can use. And again, there's a neurological component to this. According to Robert Hare, PhD, their information, including their emotional information, is scattered all over the place in their heads, all over both brain hemispheres. And it takes too long for their brain to retrieve and process that information. So if they're going to have empathy, the entire process becomes so overwhelming to them, they, they have to think too hard to do it. And so ultimately they fail at that process. To put it bluntly, it's just easier for them to not have empathy because they have to work too hard to have it. And that's usually because of some sort of trauma that occurred in their own childhood. Not always, but usually. That's partially why living with a narcissist is so hard because while other people that around you are living their lives and spending time with their partners and enjoying each other, you kind of feel like you're sleeping with the enemy. There's always something going on that's making your life harder. You're always having to dodge the narcissist's moods and work around them and cater to them and coddle them. It's like the very stuff that makes your life worth living is sort of forbidden to you. And I think watching other people in healthy relationships can make it even more intense for you because you look around and you see other people are living normally. Other people might have arguments with their spouses or whatever, but they don't constantly feel like they're living with the enemy. They're actually partnering up with their spouses like a normal 
person is supposed to do. And you might feel like there's something wrong with you in that situation. But when you're with a narcissist, each time they hurt you, each time they come after you emotionally, each time they attack you, smear campaign you, you keep smiling. And each time you kind of feel like you die inside a little bit. Each time your voice gets silenced, each time you are abused, each time you are blamed and shamed for reacting to the narcissist behavior, you find yourself shrinking just a little bit, don't you? Well, sadly, this behavior is entirely normal for toxic narcissists. See, as I said, these are people that psychologists group in with cluster B personality disorders. And these types are the ones that are known to pathologically lie, gaslight, manipulate, abuse their closest people. The people who are right next to them, their family members, their close friends, their spouses, their children, even their parents sometimes. These are the ones who pathologically run the smear campaign on their victims. While the narcissist is perfectly capable of understanding that creating social harm, humiliation, all of these things, damage to your reputation, general invalidation, they logically understand that these things are wrong, but it doesn't stop them and that's what makes them different than you and me. They continue with their lying and manipulation and all of this and they gaslight and they do all the other harmful abusive things because they don't care how it makes you feel. They don't have any empathy and quite honestly, in some cases, they gain direct pleasure from it. So depending on where they fall on the spectrum, they're either going to be sort of instinctively doing the smear campaign behaviors and engaging those flying monkeys you know, without even thinking about how they're doing, it just kind of comes like almost as an urge to them or a natural predisposition. Whereas when we're talking about someone on the psychopathic or sociopathic end of that scale, these people are spectrum. These people are going to be more likely to calculate and choose to do things to hurt you directly. You feel me? Of course, recognizing the moral wrongness doesn't stop them from recruiting flying monkeys willingly or unwillingly to help them to run their smear campaigns, get information about you and do all of the other things they're doing to you to hurt you in this situation. So what does a smear campaign look like logically? Here's an example. A narcissist might choose to tell everyone in your life that you're crazy. They might question your mental health and, and, and bring your mom and your cousin and their mom and their brother and your best friend in on it and tell them, hey, Angie's crazy, so you should do something about her. You know, maybe she needs help. I think she needs help. I'm so concerned about her. You know, they kind of start out that way. They they start out with concern. Very rarely do they just come out and say, this crazy, na 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 business, cuss word, cuss word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They usually come out pretending to be concerned or, or worried about you. Now, sometimes they do come out punching, you know, and, and then it's more obvious to some people in your life. But depending on the type of allegation they put against you, all of this kind of stuff, they could literally convince your own family, and I've seen this more times than I would care to share, happen where they convince your own family that you're broken and they're the one that's trying to help you and, and suddenly you're the one on the outside looking in. When you try to explain yourself and say, hey, this person's hurting me, this person has done all these things to me, then the narcissist has already prepared them. They've already said, oh, she's probably gonna tell you or he's probably gonna tell you X, Y, Z. And then when you do say, uh, this person said this and this about me and none of this stuff is true, here's what's really true, they're gonna go, oh yeah, the narcissist told me you would say that, or Joe Blow told me you would say that, and then of course, you're once again left out in the cold. Even worse, this sort of is something the narcissist does that makes them happy. It makes them happy and kind of gets them off a little bit to throw a smear campaign at you. I have previously compared this to emotional masturbation. As you, the victim, spiral and feel pain and doubt and self-loathing and everything else over this situation, you're kind of floating down the narcissist is flying up because they're almost getting 
Literally, they're getting psychological pleasure and even physical pleasure in some cases out of hurting you. It's a messed up situation. Even worse, the narcissist will project whatever image onto you that they need to at that moment to make their case. So if for some reason you fall back in with the narcissist, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go, oh, I helped fix her. She's all better now, at least until the next time they need to get everyone against you, in which case they'll reinvigorate that smear campaign. Oh, she's back at it again. Of course, the invention of social media does not help anyone who's dealing with a smear campaign because very often that's the easiest, most passive aggressive way for them to launch a smear campaign against you. Nowadays, they can launch a smear campaign to the general public. I could go on and on about that social media smear campaign, but in the interest of time, I won't. I will link you to some videos here though. With that being said, let's just talk about how you can fix it, how you can deal with it from my perspective. You've heard what Richard has, has to say about it. Well, here's what I have to say. A lot of people want to expose the narcissist. They want everyone to know what they're really dealing with. And sometimes you can do that. But honestly, a couple of things are going to happen if you try to do that. Number one, the narcissist will just use your attempts to expose them as a way to say, yep, I told you they're crazy. Number two, it will give the narcissist exactly the fuel they need to obtain their next narcissistic supply. So often, like I said earlier, so often... Narcissists use these little sob stories, these little poor me deals to say, hey, I'm not getting the kind of support I need. My relationship was abusive. Everything was terrible. Poor me, wah, wah, wah. And then somebody feels sorry for them, takes pity on them, puts their arm around them, and before you know it, they've got a new source of supply. It's no good for you or the new supply. In fact, a lot of times if you think back to when you first met your narcissist, if your narcissist is a romantic type of narcissist, that, you know, it's, if it's your partner, your romantic partner, a lot of times you look back and you go, wait a minute, I remember when the narcissist told me about their ex and it turns out they said their ex was crazy or bad or cheating or beating or whatever. And as it turns out, chances are the narcissist was projecting their own qualities onto that ex supply. And now you're probably the victim of a similar type of smear campaign. So if you think about how you felt sorry for them and how they actually used their smear campaign against their ex to sort of condition your behavior. For example, my ex told me, oh, my, my ex cheated on me and she did all these horrible things. Well, my first response was to go, I will be faithful to you forever because I wanted to take away that pain because I'm an empath. I don't like it when people hurt. So not that I would have cheated anyway, but because of the fact that the narcissist told me, hey, this is the kind of pain that my ex caused me. My first response was, well, I don't want to cause you that sort of pain, so I will behave differently. You see, so that conditioned me to behave a certain way. They can do the same thing by telling you, hey, my ex never did a dish in his or her life. And then you might go, oh, mm -mm, ding, ding, they didn't like it when the ex didn't do the dishes, so now I'm always going to do the dishes. And then tomorrow when you don't do the dishes, the narcissist goes, oh, you're just like my ex, you see? It's a cycle. It doesn't work. You, you, you feel where I'm at here? Bottom line, it's not worth it. It only serves to make you miserable. So my tip for doing better for yourself is go no contact, of course. But if you can't go no contact because you're, you're co-parenting or you're still working on your exit plan, Gray Rock is your best bet. You literally don't react at all because the longer you don't react, the more frustrated the narcissist will become, especially if they expect you to react because you've done so in the past. But like I said, if you can go no contact or low contact, the only solution to a smear campaign, the only solution to narcissistic abuse at all is to go no contact or at least low contact until your children are grown if you're co-parenting. If you can't do it now, start working on your exit plan because it will empower you to do so. Even if you're, you're dealing with children, 
you can still work on an exit plan. You can still significantly reduce your contact with a narcissist and only deal with them on business about the children. And in some cases, the narcissist won't even do that for very long. In my case, the narcissist faded away when co-parenting was tried. This brings me to the question of the day. And the question of the day is, have you been through a flying monkey or a smear campaign issue? And what did you think about my stance on it and Richard's stance on it? How would you deal? How did you deal? And what would you recommend for someone who's going through it right now? Are you going through it right now? Share your thoughts, your experiences, and your ideas in the comments section below, and let's have a good discussion about this. By the way, make sure you stay tuned for tomorrow's video when Richard and I will talk about hoovering and avoiding the no contact relapse. All right, that's all I've got for you right now. As always, thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life, and hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. I'll see you soon. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body, take care of your soul, nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot, take it now, and the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together.